Exodus chapter 32, Exodus 32, and Hosea chapter number 8, Exodus 32, and Hosea chapter number 8. I have a cartoon, and a man is walking out of church, and the sign up front says, Happy Easter, and a man is shaking the preacher's hand. He said, I come here once a year, and every time I come, you preach the same sermon. So we're not going to do that to you. If you're visiting with us, we take a book of the Bible, and we just... We just go through it verse by verse by verse by verse. So we want to know everything that God has to say to us. We don't want to just pick and choose certain topics. But it is curious how often we find ourselves on a particular day dealing with a particular subject. And this is, this is one of those days. You may have, have heard something here or there that this is uh, Easter Sunday. It's um, the, the name has many uh, variations throughout the world, Ishtar, Astarte, um, and, and so forth. And, and the reason that, if we mentioned Thursday night, if you've ever wondered, the reason that Easter moves about from year to year is because it is a celebration of the spring equinox. It is the first Sunday after the first full moon after the arrival of spring, and it has long been connected with uh, pagan fertility rites, and therefore the symbols of the of the spring equinox celebration throughout history have been things like uh, eggs and bunny rabbits and and other things which have to do with 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 you know new life and 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 so forth. But the new life that lasts forever is found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and He didn't rise from the dead a different day each year. Uh, based upon the phase of the moon, he, well, he died upon the cross on the 14th day of the first month on the Jewish calendar, and he rose again three days and three nights later, and, and, and that's the day of his resurrection. Now, churches, uh, through the centuries, kind of picked up a little, a little of this and a little of that and worked it in, uh, to associate it with Christianity, try and make it more, um, more socially acceptable and palatable until you've reached a day and time now when it's just, it's just all, mixed together and the list of ingredients is so long you're really not sure if you have anything all natural left or not but uh, but but what we have in the bible is is biblical christianity without all the extra stuff that's been thrown in there to uh, to sort of muddle everything up and so what we have in exodus 32 is well we'll just we'll read it together you may well you know the children of Israel were slaves 430 years in Egypt. And the Lord wrought great miracles, supernatural wonders, and delivered the people from Egypt. Moses led the way. They came to the Red Sea. The waters parted. People walked through on dry land. The waters fell again. They're safe. They're protected. They're delivered. They're on the way to the promised land. But along the way, they sure had all kinds of problems. And the Bible says in Exodus 32, and this is the passage we've been reading for uh, for a few weeks now. When the people saw that Moses <clears throat> delayed to come down out of the mount, he's gone up on the mountain to talk with God and receive the, the, the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. The people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods. 
Well, they have a God, a real God, a true God, a living God, who has delivered them from bondage, not, not but a couple of months ago. But they want some small g gods. You notice that? Little g. Little g. Small, small gods. Man-made God. Hand, handmade gods. Up make us gods which shall go before us. And as we've noted, the only way a god could go before you that you made with your own hands is if you're pushing him around. And so they, they want a god they can push around. Now to get a god they can push around, they've got to have a minister to make them a god they can push around. So they need a minister they can push around to make them a god they can push around. And then they can have, uh, well, they can pretty much do whatever they want to do without any interference. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. We had a wonderful time Thursday night talking about how, how you don't have to put any pressure at all on people to get them to give their money and their riches to something they love. And we all, we all put our money where our heart is. And so, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. Don't, don't panic. Don't, don't freak out. We wouldn't ask anybody to spend on God what they spent on jelly beans and, and uh, chocolate eggs. <laughs> anyway, I said I wasn't going to mention it, so I better not mention it again. <clears throat> and he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Which is really bizarre. How can something they just made have done something yesterday? Come on, they, they, they just put the gold in the fire, melted it down, pulled it out, let it cool off, graved it, formed and fashioned it into a calf, and then they looked at that thing and said, You know, we'd have never gotten out of Egypt two months ago if it hadn't been for this calf. Forgive us if we think that religious people who worship false gods all often do and say things that are quite worthy of ridicule. It's just, it's just nonsensical. Then, then it says in verse number 5, And when Aaron saw it, notice there's a theme here, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Now, keep your hand right there and look at Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8. And this thing, this thing shows up again 700 years later. And a preacher is going to deal with it. Hosea 8, verse 5, Thy calf, O Samaria, hath cast thee off. Mine anger is kindled against them. How long will it be ere they attain to innocency? For Israel was it also, the workmen made it. Therefore it is not God. But the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. Now notice, in Exodus 32, they... They looked at an idol they had made of a calf, and they said, These be thy gods, small g, and they worshipped it. And 
the prophet Hosea deals with a similar situation and he says, It is not God, capital G. And so my question for you this morning on this on this beautiful day, the sun did rise. And we are having service. And Christ is risen from the dead. And it is springtime. And if you go out to get in your cars this, after, this, this afternoon, maybe afternoon or this morning, depending on uh, how quickly we can get this truth across to everybody, just take a moment to look in the tops of all the pine trees. And you'll see that every year about about this time of the year, the Lord puts a cross on the top of every one of those trees all over the state of Florida so that you would just be reminded one more time uh, that uh, there, there is a God and He did send His Son and He did rise from the dead and there is a way of salvation the creation knows. Man, man pretends he doesn't know, but the creation knows. But anyway, um, this morning I, I just I want to ask you, do you have a God with a capital G who's been there from the foundation of the world? Or do you have a God with a small g that you invented and that you push around? And I just want, I just want you to know that those little g gods, those its, are not God. And they haven't done anything for anyone, and they can't do anything for anyone, and they never will do anything for anyone. But the real, true, living God. Not only sent His Son to pay for our sins, but sends Him into our heart to cleanse us and to forgive us and to give us life more abundantly here in this world. Let's pray together. Father, help us this morning, these next few minutes, to see the truth, the whole truth, and nothing, nothing but the truth, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now what you just read is when Aaron saw it, (laughs) he built an altar before it, and so goes the tale. For some reason, which has to be connected with the depravity and fall of man, most would rather worship an it that can do nothing for them than a real God who could give them hope and joy and love and eternal life and satisfaction and peace. Their it may be an idol, it may be a woman, it may be money, it may be a man, it may be football, it may be a holiday. The particulars don't seem to matter as long as the objects of their devotion do not have the power to grant them eternal life or punish them with eternal damnation. As long as the God they worship doesn't interfere with the life they want to live, he's okay. Or she's okay. Or it's okay. That God of the Bible that says, I want you to do this and not do that, and I want you to believe this and not believe that, that that God's a little too intrusive. He's a, he meddles too much in my affairs. I can't seem to push him around and make him go where I want him to go. He always seems to push back and try to make me go where he wants me to go. And I think I'll just take my gold and make myself a God that's more to my liking. You know, the God-given nature of a man requires that he worship. That's in Romans 1, it's in John 1. Every person born in this world knows there's a God. That's what the Bible says. 
And they have to turn from that God and substitute some other object of worship for that God. Left, left to his own devices, each man would lift up his heart and lift up his eyes to heaven and know there's an almighty, all-powerful creator to whom he's accountable. But somebody steps in, maybe an unbelieving mother, an infidel daddy, or, or a religion, or a, or an educational system, and, and, and little by little, or, or, or in great waves of force, turns what a man or a woman knows in their heart to be true away to that which is false. But the fallen nature of a man compels him to worship something. And he ends up, in most cases, worshiping something that cannot hold him accountable for his actions. Now, it seems impossible that anyone would have to be told not to worship an it. But when we think upon the lives of the people around about us, in any land, in any age, we realize the abundance of it's. Receiving people's love, honor, devotion, sacrifice, and adoration. And how few people give those same things to God. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. That's what James 3.10 says. And yet such vain practices endure from generation to generation. Well, how do we deal with this? As a... As a religious people, as a leader of religious people, what do we do when we look at a town, look at a society that is so in love with it and seems to have so little love for God, what should we do? Well, we read from Hosea, God's preacher, speaking for God, would go into that society and denounce the worship of it and cry out to the people and say, all of your its have left you depressed and drunken and addicted and, 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 and a society full of crime and violence and delinquency and, and abuse and, and torment. And wouldn't you like to turn from it to God? But then there's the errands of our world. And they want to offer the people a religion that temporarily pleases the people, but can never satisfy the people. Aaron says to people who are desperate for someone or something to worship, well, what would you like to worship? How would you like to worship? Where and when would you like to worship? You just, I'll tell you what, would you, let's just make a God. Well, they have a God. They have a God who created the heavens and the earth. They have a God who brought their forefathers through the flood. They have a God who, who brought their forefathers out of slavery. They have a God who's bringing them into the promised land. But He doesn't suit them. He's not to their liking. They not only had to leave Egypt, they had to leave Egyptian. And they weren't ready for that. They're still not ready for that. And so what does Aaron do? Look carefully. In verse number 5, when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast 
to the Lord. So here's what he did. And I, this is the truth. I, I put these notes together last November with no reference to the calendar whatsoever. But what Aaron said is, we'll make our own God, we'll make our own religious rules and regulations, but when we do these things, we will say that we're doing them to the Lord. And that way everybody's happy. The Lord's happy because He hears us say, we love the Lord. And we're happy because we don't have to love Him. And the Lord's happy because He hears us say, we're worshiping the Lord. And we're happy because we don't have to. And you, you, you know, you understand, that nine out of ten churches who put a special sign up in front of their building this week wanted you to know that they're going to do something other than worship the Lord, because they know it's what you like. And we're going to give your kids something other than the Lord to be excited about, because we know you've taught them to be excited about something other than the Lord. But we're going to do it for the Lord. You see where we are? Well, what are you saying? I didn't say anything, but you know. I don't have to name it. I don't have to say it. The Son of God died for our sins. The Son of God rose from the grave. And we want you to know we got something else that we got from Druids. We want you to know we got something else from people that worship nature. Why would anybody do that? Well, the people, what they want... Listen, let's, let's give the people the benefit of the doubt. They've just spent 430 years completely immersed in a, in a vile culture that had a river god and a moon god and a sun god and a god that looked like a dog and a god that looked like a giant cat and a god that... that Come on, they had gods for everything. You could understand those people being a little confused and a little warped after over four centuries immersed in a culture like that. But wouldn't you think ten plagues would kind of snap you out of it? Wouldn't you think the blood of the Lamb preserving the firstborn in all the houses where the blood was, and the firstborn being dead in in all the houses where there was no blood, wouldn't you think that would make you at least say, Wow, that God that got us out of Egypt seemed to kind of whipped up on those other gods. And when you saw that Red Sea part... And you went through that water like you were at SeaWorld, but it was free. Don't you think? I mean, they've got ample, they've had a crash course in the power and majesty of the real God. 
So they kind of know he's there and they can't deny that he's powerful and they're, they're, they're pretty much afraid to shake their fist in his face. But the kids, you know, I mean, kids like golden calves and the wife's got all these golden calf decorations that she puts out every year and, and, when you go to the store, there's just so many reminders of how much fun golden calves are. and So we don't, we don't really want to do away with golden calf. But we sure do owe the good Lord upstairs something. So we're going to put an it on the altar and make a sacrifice to it. But we're going to tell God that we're doing it for Him. Well, I wanted to hear an Easter message. I think you're hearing one. <laughs> Maybe more of one than you'd counted on. I, people say, oh, you just do that because you, you, know, you, you enjoy it. Well, I, I, I do, but, but I don't want to be an errand. Who gives people the idea that you can worship it as long as you say the Lord and that the Lord's okay with that. I want to be like Hosea who stands before a people apparently confused and says, it is not God. Well, we better move on from that. Though it's tempting to linger. (laughs) Let's be honest about it. People devote their energy to what they love. People give their time to what they love. People get excited about what they love. It's not enough to say, I love you to a husband or a wife, you should be faithful to your husband or your wife. It's not enough to say, I love you to your children or your parents. You should be faithful to your children or your parents. Not enough to say, I, I, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. You'd be faithful to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's not enough for people to say, I love the Lord. We should be faithful to the Lord. We should do what pleases Him and we should refrain from doing what displeases Him. I think that's only fair. Scripture says in James 2.7, Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now, I'll just... just, let, just let me just float one little thing past you, and then we'll move on. And if you want me to move on, you, you might, you might want to slow down with that, because the next point may be... Even less joyful than the, the first one. But contrary to, to mythology, a child may absolutely live a Christian life in a public school. You could talk about Jesus. 
You can read your Bible at reading time, and if, if somebody tries to stop you, you can make a call to, to an appropriate authority, and, and that, that matter will be dealt with. Now, the school cannot do anything to promote Christianity. The teacher, if the teachers ask a question, the teacher can engage the student in conversation, but the teacher can't come in and say, our lesson today is on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you can have a unit on Islam, because that's... For some reason, that's okay. But, but it, so, so anyway, but we, so we understand the school, DeLand High School, is not allowed to teach and to take a position as a school, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We believe in the birth of Jesus Christ. So what that means is the things they are allowed to do at Christmas time and the things they are allowed to do at Easter time, are not Christian. Because if they were Christian, they couldn't do it. So just just let let the wheels turn a little bit. What are you talking about? I have just... It's up to you to decide. We're being very mysterious this morning. It's up for you to decide. Although after church, I'm tempted to call up some restaurants and ask if any of them are serving roast rabbit. (laughs) All right, now look at this next verse here. The Bible says in verse 6, And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Point number two. (laughs) People wake up early when they're excited. Yeah. Depression keeps you in bed. Having to go to school makes you want to roll over and pull the covers back over your head. Alarm rings on a work day, it's always too early. But people scramble out of bed when they have an activity planned which thrills their heart. People gladly give of their substance for something about which they're excited. This was not the time they got up to serve Jehovah. But they sure got up early to dance around that it. The fires of sacrifice were not burning for the Lord. The one who'd done so much for them didn't receive that kind of honor and attention. Ah, but this calf, it was all the rage. This idol, it could not wait for the breaking of day. I don't think that golden calf would have complained if the people had come at 9 or 10 or 2 or 5. In fact, it didn't even know they were there. But they couldn't wait. Why? Because it's something they wanted to do. This feast unto the Lord who is no Lord must begin at once. (laughs) 5 a.m.? 5 a.m.? Are you kidding me? I'm getting up at 5 a.m., but it's hunting season. Four o'clock in the morning, are you kidding me? It's fishing time. Extra hours for a trip to the beach, an extra day at the cabin in the mountains, of course. Put a church service running past noon. God forbid. 
Little G God, big G God, either one. Don't let it happen. Return for an evening service? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Three extra holes of golf because it's not dark yet. But not an evening service. A double header? Woohoo! Four more hours of watching men stand around scratching themselves and spitting sunflower seeds. <laughs> a dress code for the team, a dress code for the club, but never for the church. Money for Christmas, money for birthdays, money for shopping, money for restaurants, money for internet, money for cell phones, money for cable. How dare that church pass an offering plate? We'll put an it on the altar and we'll get up early for it and we'll sacrifice to it and we'll gather around it and we'll get excited about it. While the God that delivered our souls from hell fire sits and waits his turn. <clears throat> Happy holiday. <laughs> Golden calf religion is flourishing in our day. What these people wanted was a God who would stand silently while they devoted themselves to eating, drinking, and playing. He passed no sentence. He took no action. He didn't judge. They'd walk by that calf, clothes coming off, music playing, dancing, carrying on. And they'd look at that calf and they'd say, don't judge me. And he wouldn't. Don't condemn me. He wouldn't. Don't you find fault with me. And he never did. Boy, he was worth another 20 bucks. So they made another sacrifice to the it. That God sat stupidly without thought, without action, without desire, without power. But he was the Lord they desired because he would not pursue or interfere with the lives they wanted to pursue. That's your nation. They want to put the Lord's name on something that has nothing to do with the Lord. And then go out and do a hundred things the Lord forbids. And then look at the Lord they invented and said, well, he just wants me happy. He's just, whatever I'm for, he's for. He speaks to my heart and he always tells me I'm okay. Every time I hear his voice, it sounds just like mine. He's always saying, go for it. <laughs> and you know, without trying to rally some votes for the next business meeting, <clears throat> Aaron was the perfect pastor. For a group of people like that. Because he, he, never, he never planted his feet firmly on the ground and told them what they needed to hear. He just gave them what they wanted. You don't help people like that. He gave them a God of their choosing. You can just see Aaron standing there with a dumb grin on his face. Allowing them to bring abominable sacrifices and dive into the depths of depravity without uttering a single negative word. Morning. Morning. Having a good time. Hope you're having a good time. Everybody happy? Nice day, Aaron. It's a nice day, yes. Love, love the calf, Aaron. Thanks. 
Great, great how you put the little nostrils in the front of it. Thanks. I, I thought that was a good touch. Of course, some people came by and said the calf was too big or the calf was too small or the calf was too shiny or it wasn't shiny enough. But after a few drinks, nobody really noticed. And Aaron just kept smiling. They'd walk by and say, be the best you you can be. Yeah. <laughs> Every day's Friday. <laughs> they just loved him. He's just such a, he's just such a nice guy. Such a great guy. <laughs> he was seeker friendly. He was relevant. He was with the times. He was non judgmental. Or, as God said, his watchmen are blind, they are all ignorant, they are all dumb dogs, they cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Isaiah 56, verse 10. My wife got this, she got this one guard dog now. It's about five inches tall, weighs about eight pounds. It thinks it's the size of a dinosaur. UPS trucks down at the end of the driveway trying to figure out how to get us to open the gate. That dog's standing there. Going to eat that guy's leg off. He steps on that property. Things about that big. Kids came out yesterday to work on the property. A dog threatened every one of them. Come near me, I'm going to tear you up. But you know, some people, when I was delivering that mail, you'd have these. There's one friend. They had a German shepherd. That thing would run and throw itself into the chain leak fence, try to knock the fence down because it wanted to have mailman for lunch. Pull up in front of the house, and people say, He don't bite. I'd yell, How's he eat? Every dog in the world bites. And I, every dog ever bit me was a dog somebody said didn't bite. It doesn't bite you, it's going to bite me. Anyway, but imagine you had a dog. You, you went, you went and, and uh, you went to Linda's place to buy a guard dog, and you, you bought one of these, these high quality top-of-the-line guard dogs, and you brought that dog home, and every time a bad guy came by the house, that dog just snored, just laying there, sound asleep. Didn't growl, didn't bark, didn't flinch. Opened up one eye, took a look. Yeah, it's a bad guy. Closed eye, went back to sleep. You said, my dog's good for nothing. I don't want a dog like that. Dog doesn't warn anybody. Dog doesn't try to protect anybody. Dog never says danger, danger, danger. You trade that dog in and get another one. Do you know what people nowadays want? Their kids are going to hell. Their grandkids are going to hell. Their neighbors are going to hell. Their whole country's going to hell in a handbasket. And they want a preacher stand in the pulpit and just sleep through it all. Never bark, never growl, never sound the alarm. Never say danger, danger, danger. Lord said, man, you got, you got a preacher like that, you ought to get rid of him like you would a sorry watchdog. How about that? And so the Bible says in verse number 6, They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. So... <clears throat> 
We spent a good deal of time yesterday hiding something all over this property. And as soon as church is out, those of you who haven't smiled and haven't laughed and haven't been excited about anything we've done can run a... Some of you just, you're, you're so freaked out right now. You... Did he really? You know why, you, you know why you, you've, you know why you're freaking out about that? Because in your mind, you know that a man who preaches the Bible would not have done that. And you wouldn't give me a pass if I did. So, we're really excited this morning about something real. Jesus Christ died upon a cross to pay for our sins. That's no it. That's a him. That's a, that, that, that's, that's a he. That, that really happened. And Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's not it. That, that really happened. And you know something? If you could get as excited about finding salvation for your soul as you would be about some candy hid in some bushes, you could have eternal life. And if saved people could get as excited, get as excited about having God's Holy Spirit living in their heart to comfort them in trouble, to guide them through life, to show them the truth about time and about eternity. If saved people get as excited about that as they could some man dressed up like a giant varmint, You could have a life so worth living that every single day you'd want to get up in the morning and live another day for the Lord. And we just, we want to rise early for God, capital G. And we want to sacrifice to God, capital G. And we want to fellowship together and sing together and rejoice together about God, capital G. We don't want to spend another day of our lives devoted to it. We're all done with it. It is not God. It cannot forgive sins. It cannot bring lasting joy and happiness to the heart. It cannot take anyone to heaven. It is not God. We're not fanatics. We're not freaks. We're not weird. We're a minority group. You're supposed to treat us with respect and dignity and compassion. We're a minority. We're waiting for this week to buy all the candy because it's on sale and it's cheap. (laughs) We're not against candy. We just don't want to pay full price. (laughs) What causes you to rise up early in the morning? What do you look forward to? What what thrills you so that you don't want to miss it? You'd rather get there early than be a minute late.
That's what's on your altar. To what do you gladly sacrifice? To what do you gladly present your offerings? I hope it's the true and living God of the Bible. There's a lot of gods to choose from in this land or any other land. But most of them, you know, were made with men's hands or men's imaginations. And they were specially designed to let people do whatever they want to do without feeling bad about it. Let me let you in a little secret. If you'd come to know Jesus Christ and fall in love with Him, He would let you do whatever you wanted to do without ever feeling bad about it. You'd just find that what you now wanted to do was what pleased Him, not what displeased Him. And you would find that what you now wanted to do brought you the real joy that you'd been looking for and the real satisfaction you'd been looking for. See, here's what's... You talk talk about a deal. Now listen to this. Jesus will give you all of that excitement and all of that happiness every day. Not a couple of days a year. You don't have to put him back in the attic until next year because it's not the season for that anymore. He's always in season. It's always a day that the Lord hath made. And a day to worship and celebrate Him. And a day to live for Him. Praise God. There is one... There is one Easter hunt that the Bible speaks about. After the Jewish Passover ended and the Roman celebration of Easter began, you know, the people that just nailed Jesus to the cross celebrated Easter before they had ever done so. You can read about that in your, in your Bible in the book of Acts. But they had, a, they had a search at Easter time. They went on a hunt at Easter time. They spent money. They hired people. They, they got a... They, they just they, they they really spared no expense to try and find the body of Jesus. It's hard to find something that's alive and ascended to heaven, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, until He comes again to establish His kingdom, power, and of glory upon this earth. Peter saw him alive. James and John saw him alive. Apostle Paul saw him alive. He appeared to the twelve alive. Five hundred brethren at one time saw him alive and wrote down their eyewitness testimony. It's never been disproved. CNN can try. They'll not disprove it. College professors can try. They'll not disprove it. People write books about how the Bible's not true. That it, it, it stands. It stands the test of time. Thousands of people travel every year to the place where Muhammad is buried. And thousands of people every year travel to the place where Jesus was buried. One left his bones in the earth. The other rose from the dead. We'll worship him. We'll rejoice in Him. 
Let, let the world have their its. We have a God, a real God, a true God. Praise His holy name. Father.